0: I remember this story where I got a raise and I didn't think I deserved it because, I mean, of course I didn't say it, right? But I got, surprise, surprise, we're giving you a a $15,000 raise. And I thought I was doing such a bad job. And maybe I had a little bit of imposter syndrome. I'm not really sure, but I accepted it, but I didn't try. I just got it offered to me, but I had all these weird feelings about it. And I think it's interesting that we're talking about what you deserve. And I don't know if any of you have experienced this where you feel like you don't deserve something that you probably do. Does that sound familiar or can any of you relate to that? I was
1: just going to say you were probably underpaid.
0: Oh, yeah. I was. I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> they bumped me up to probably the minimum, most likely. <laughs> But I didn't know. I was early. They're like, she's under
2: market. We better get her up a little bit.
0: <laughs> they like, she's going to figure this out pretty soon.
1: Sad, but right. We probably all on here have been through it at the time thinking, okay, this is great. But then you realize, Ooh, I was yeah. underpaid. I don't know. There's so many, I guess, examples we could go into when it comes to things that you deserve, but didn't know you deserved uh, or even ask for it. I know for me, I'm more of the person I don't ask. And if you don't give it to me, then I'm just going to go look for it someplace else, which is not the right way, by the way. So let me just put that out there. I'm not saying that I do it the right way. And I have learned little by little to ask, but it's super uncomfortable So I'm probably not the best to give advice, but I know for me, it's very, very uncomfortable when anytime I have to negotiate, it's so much easier for me to give advice. Hey, this is what you should be asking for. (laughs) But when it comes to me...
0: Yeah, it's so easy to tell other people like, this is what you deserve. Oh my gosh. Like all of you automatically were like, you're probably being underpaid. But when do you ever think about that for yourself? Welcome to the What Rules podcast, where we outsmart the game to advance our careers. I am Elisa Monjadis. I'm a vision producer and executive coach at the Happy Cactus. And my two co hosts today are Dr. Medadi Simeon, HR executive and motivational speaker, and Rosa Santos, talent management executive and leadership expert. Since we talk about breaking the rules and doing things our own way and doing things a little bit differently, we thought that we would talk about a hard and fast subject today, negotiating, getting a raise, doing things your own way. And so with that today, we have a special guest. We have Linda Nolan, Managing Director of Northern Trust Wealth Management, and she is not only an expert in managing other people's money <laughs> today we're talking about how she's managing her own career and how she has broken the rules to get where she is today one of the interesting factors is that men are much more systematic about it
2: that they are taking a look on an annual basis and they're seeing where they are relative to the marketplace and where they think they ought to be and they are much more assertive around saying hey, this is what I think my value is in the marketplace. And I think that I'm being underpaid by X amount. And I'd like to give you the opportunity to make that right. Or what are you going to do about that? And I remember when I was promoted into the managing director position, having several men come to me and have that conversation. And they didn't just come with, you know, this is what I think. They came with charts and graphs. Here is my salary trend over 10 years. Here is how that compares. If you factor in inflation wow. and wow. <laughs> where things are moving, that actually is going to adjust what my raises have been downward. And so I'm flat and I'm not keeping up with the pace of inflation. What are we going to do about this? And I would go and run and advocate for them. And I realized I was advocating successfully for these people who were coming to me. What was I doing for myself? Mm. Why was I a fierce advocate for them, but I was not the same way for myself? And then I also noticed that I was advocating for women who were underpaid who were relative to their peers and coaching them on, you know, just as we were talking about before, hey, Lisa, you were probably underpaid, and talking them <laughs> through how I might approach it. But I wasn't taking that same step for myself. Hmm. And so it is very hard, but I had to discipline myself. And I actually had some great coaching around how to have those conversations because I do think that men receive that message differently from a woman than they do from a man. And the coaching was to say, "Hey, I know this was not intentional, but as I take a look at where I am relative to where I believe my peers are, where the market is, here is the gap. How can we address this together?" And I had to practice. I had to script it out and actually, you know, get a good friend to role play it with me so that I could say it without emotion per se, just a fact-based conversation. Without yelling, hey, buddy. (laughs) Excuse me. I'm angry without, you know, I've had other women who have done it with me where they act the emotion of it, just like you were saying, that you just, hey, I'm done with this. Or the tears start flowing, which is just not effective. But it's a natural part. But if you practice, you can get through all those emotions. Right. And so it's still not my favorite thing to do, but I can make myself do it. Just because it's like, why not me?
3: Okay, now taking notes. And- <laughs> <laughs> oh, look,
0: look. at <laughs> me Maddie has your notebook.
3: I She's wrote like, now down. what was that sentence again? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm listening to the podcast again. Yeah. Um,
3: yeah, I have a question for you, Linda. So I'm the no longer recognized Generation X, because as you know, we don't we don't exist anymore. <laughs> you guys got canceled. <laughs> you, got canceled.
1: <laughs> and you got X'd out. We got X'd
3: out. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, so my generation, we were the ones, you know, like DIYers, right? You worked really hard and you expected that somebody actually realized that the work that you did deserved to be compensated a certain way, right? And I hear millennials and especially Gen Zers who are coming into the workforce right now have no issues around sharing how much money they make.
2: I think that's true.
3: Uh, Which I think it's amazing because I was brought up with like, you do not talk money. Ever share how much you make, let alone asking your colleague or your peer, hey, how much do you make and can we compare? But that's happening right now. What's your advice around that? Because I think that brings about so much power, especially for women. I think women need to share what they're making and therefore you come to discover whether to Alisa's <laughs> comment of like that she was underpaid, rather than <laughs> feeling bad because all of a sudden somebody came and gave her a raise, and it was just she was being given what the market was saying that probably she she needed to be giving. I think that knowledge is power,
2: and it certainly gives you more power if you're willing to use that information for your own benefit. So if you just know that you're underpaid, and then you're feeling undervalued bad about what's happening, but you don't do anything about it. If you just hold that in and internalize it, that's a weapon that could be used against you in a sense. Yeah. That whole self-doubt thing. I do think that being able to leverage the knowledge that you have and then have those proactive conversations, yeah. I do find that Gen Z and millennial women are more comfortable making terms on their own and having those conversations. I also find that they have as hard of a time, right? Having the conversation sometimes as those of us who have gone before them. But I do think knowledge can be power. It's just being willing to do something with it. And I think for those of us who are still, you know, heavily engaged in the marketplace, it's never too late, right? It's never too late to address something for yourself and to fix it for yourself. And some people can give up and say it's not going to happen, but it's never too late. That's what I tell myself, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Linda's like, let me re listen to this podcast. Yes, let, me, <laughs> let me readdress this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you said something earlier about scripting it and practicing it. And I wanted to get your perspective on when you practice, you also, I'm assuming, should be practicing if mm-hmm. they tell you no. Because ultimately I go in like, okay, I know my worth. I've done my homework. I've received coaching. I've done all this. And now they're telling me, no, you're no longer going to be this or that, or you can't get A, B, or C. And even as much as you practice it, I would still believe the emotions and which are not effective when you have them in certain places. So in
2: your experience. The first time that I tried to negotiate for myself, I was like, it's not fair. It's not right. And I'm paid this and these other women are paid that. And the person kind of penalized me. They adjusted the other people, but not me. And just said, you know what? You're right. But the economy is bad right now and we can do this. It was basically, we're going to continue because we can. And I was so unprepared for that answer and then when I found out that I wasn't adjusted but the other people were I had the, the whole well of emotion and you know after the meeting in the ladies room with the tears trying to pull myself together realizing you know wow I was really unprepared and I felt like I lost so much power in that conversation having planned out, if they say, no, not right now, you can anticipate, we just don't have it right now. It's not the right time in the budget. So then talk about timing and let's talk about a timeline. And can we get there over time or what needs to happen for this to be addressed so that you're not walking away with nothing. You're walking away with some sort of action plan. You're working on something together. I think that those are all ways to retain your power in the conversation. And I think that you gain more respect. That when people know that you know your worth, that they respect you differently. And the heads down, I like to call that syndrome where we kind of work and just hope somebody notices us and compensates us for us. That heads down, pencils up actually devalues you. I was in a women's development. and they compared it to a branding decision where you're branding yourself like Walmart or Target. You know, Walmart is the low cost model Mm -hmm. value. You get everything you need and everything you want, but it's at the lowest price. And Target, which has a little cachet or Target, you know, where people feel like there's a higher brand
0: value. And what about Costco? I know, (laughs) Costco's the best. (laughs) Costco's the very best.
2: And it's true that I think we're willing to pay a little bit of a higher price for that experience. And the Mm -hmm. coaching was people will feel the same way about you. Don't brand yourself as the low cost workforce because you're not as valued in that position.
0: I feel like I've had to learn that this year as an entrepreneur. I'm I'm about 1 year into being full-time. I'm what they call a high ticket coach, so I charge more than the average coach, but I could easily be a low ticket. It's my choice. And in some ways it's taken me a while to to get to that place, but there's an audience for every level of income or of value and it's been like a personal journey of just being able to accept that I'm expensive, and it feels really good. <laughs> just to be like, "Oh, well, I'm expensive," <laughs> but I'm still having to ask people because there are some when I'm working with individuals, I have my pricing down, but I go to Rosa a lot for when I'm working with a large corporation, or I still don't know all the market rates. So I just have to ask. And sometimes I am underpricing myself. And I I think the same goes for when you're in your career. There's nothing wrong with asking other people in your industry who might work at a different firm, or it helps you understand where the market is at. And go to all the Target people, not the Walmart people, is what I'm hearing you (laughs) (laughs) say.
3: Yeah. And I would say that by doing that as well, it's important that you continue to own the conversation. Yes. Right. It is your conversation. It's not theirs. Yes. And in fact, I would say it's not for them to have it's for you to create and lead and control. And you need to go into that conversation, always owning even the timeline. Right. And at the same time, Say that you find that you get to that point where you think that you are maybe undervalued or underpaid, but then by doing this discovery, you find that you are actually that you weren't that bad. But there's something else, right? That maybe is drawing you to having this kind of conversation. So I know we're talking about money and salary and whatnot, but a lot of the time is, is not just that, there's something else, right? Yeah. And sometimes that is the symptom, but in many cases, is not necessarily the root cause yes. of that symptom, right? Uh, it, it, the root cause is somewhere else. So what are some of the things that maybe when that happened, Linda, you negotiated with or you asked for that were not necessarily salary related, but again, kept you in charge of the conversation? I think
2: you know defining for yourself like what's what's important to me right now. So there have been times when the most important thing to me is flexibility, and you know that's all been redefined for us through the pandemic. And we know that there are a lot more options that we than we may have previously thought available to us. I can say that I have many people now, especially working mothers, who are coming to me and saying, I need to maintain a a higher level of flexibility than I've asked for in the past because, and fill in the blanks. And I think that, you know, I'm finding that many of those people are much more confident because of the dire predicament, right? They just don't have the education, the care. I mean, I'm saying that, you know, school's not in session, camp's are not in session, whatever's going on. And they are really saying that, you know, hey, as a condition of my continued employment, I need these following things. I think that's very powerful and they are valuable to us as a firm. They are valuable to me personally. And so we're willing to make those trade offs. So I think that it's understanding what's most important to you at any given time and that knowing that those things change over time as well and just constantly revisiting what are all the things that I need. And how do I want to structure this to work for me as well as for the firm that I'm engaged with? So that would be my advice.
0: Yeah, it's interesting when the stakes change, like when it's your family, then all of a sudden it becomes easier to do the things that weren't easier when you didn't have all those things on the line.
2: That's very true. Necessity is the mother of invention, right? So you just...
1: And I agree, Rosa, and I think you know, we're talking about how to ask for what you deserve. And we said sometimes family or, or a need, but how do we begin to really value ourselves enough to know that I deserve this? I know doing our homework, it's critical and staying on top of, hey, talking to other folks to understand what the market is, or as Rosa stated earlier, talk about your salary. But There are a lot of people and Linda, you mentioned it early that it does devalue them, but they'll just keep their head down and keep on working for our listeners. How can they just begin to understand their value? Because I think that just even starting to ask yourself that question what's my value, whether it's, you know, money or just even caring for the family while working because otherwise you're going to burn out. Right. So there's just so much to it. Any thoughts on that?
2: I think you have to keep your circle small, but tight. People who could be very honest with you and say, here's what I perceive from you and you can work on some area where you don't have the self-worth or confidence. I think confidence is a huge part of the game. And some people aren't confident in what they deliver, even though they may know I deliver a great work product, but they're not as confident stating that. And then they can work on things bit by bit with those trusted mentors, coaches, advisors, And if you're lucky enough to have a sponsor that can advocate and push forward for you, because sometimes it's not just about what you say, but what those people who are in the room when you're not are saying about you.
0: Yeah. Can we talk about sponsors for a second? (laughs) Because we have in the past, but the difference between a mentor and a sponsor is a mentor is someone who's typically gone before you and they have that experience and they can give you advice. A sponsor is someone typically within the organization who can pull you up and skip you a couple levels even. And it's a very strategic relationship that you have. What has been your experience with looking for sponsors for yourself? And are you a sponsor for other people? So
2: my experience, I'm definitely a sponsor for for other people. I want to be able to create a legacy of having helped people so that people don't have to have the same struggles that I did especially as a woman of color a working mother I want to make the path easier for other people I think in terms of finding sponsors that has been a struggle so I have what I would call a fairy godmother who would move mountains for me and I know that and we'll have those fierce conversations and be a cheerleader be a coach and a corrector whenever that's needed. And that has been a tremendous asset throughout my career. But in terms of sponsorship, I say at this point, then I, I need some others added to that mix. So um, as, as I take an assessment, even now in my career, I'm like, I need to refresh some of those relationships and networks. I need to add to the mix. Um, There are other people that I need to add in order to make the next step. And then I also have to be willing to say, is this going to happen or not? And what am I willing to do about it? That's the important thing that I would say for people who are further along in their career. And for those that are younger, I would say it's those strategic relationships and constantly reevaluating, refreshing, adding to and making sure that you're still in that sponsor kind of relationship with that person. Well,
1: I want a fairy godmother for sure. But I love something that you said is you got to continue to refresh it because situations change, things change. And I mean, just within the last year, so much have changed. And you just reminded me as you were speaking, I was like, hmm, I don't think I've refreshed
0: and you've grown, you're growing. I mean, everyone hopefully is growing in their careers and your circle changes. And now you're at the place I know for you, Dr. Madati, you're a sponsor and mentor for others. But now who do you go to? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I need that fairy godmother. I'm talking to Linda after this by myself. <laughs> 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 no, but it's so critical at any stage. And I love that you mentioned that, Linda, because at my level right now, at your level, you, hey, this is constant work that we got to continue.
3: I think in the same way, and especially for women of color, multicultural women, it's already hard as it is, right? We started with talking about how are you asking for what you think, what's your worth in terms of your just the bare minimum salary, right? Forget about all the rest. Now, what we're talking about is identify key stakeholders that you know strategically are going to be good for you to grow uh, your career. I'm interested in hearing, how do you overcome imposter syndrome from a way of like, will they want to talk to me? Am I um, worthy of their time, right? To really get to know who I am, what I bring to the organization. What would be the best way to go past that for folks and map out, but then pass that step of really putting oneself out there to go ask and and can you be my godmother? I
2: think that those have to be organic relationships. So it's really just networking first and establishing relationships and working on deepening and growing those relationships. And you can ask for incremental steps, right? So you might not go from zero to godmother, But you can go from zero to, you know, may I bounce ideas off of you periodically? And as that relationship deepens, hopefully that there's more sponsorship there. And then I think that others can sometimes look at us and say, well, you've done so well. You are one of
0: the highest ranking, fill in the blank. Isn't that enough? Aren't you thankful or grateful for how far you've come? Why would you want more?
2: You should be happy. Yes, that is the unspoken word. Yes. And I had to bite my tongue with one person like, but you got more. You got a lot more. But I, did, I didn't I did say it. I just said, well, yes, I do. You're right. This is a great position. This is a great accomplishment. And I'm even looking for more.
1: People are almost puzzled when you tell them you want more.
3: Hmm, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Because I've been in conversations with people and they're like, you want more? And I'm like, well, why wouldn't I? Right. I'm just getting started. (laughs) And I think this also just shows how critical it is to speak to other people that have the knowledge, that have gone through these situations, because we will never know it all. I would never know it all. But that's also why I want to continue to do more and continue to learn. And I think being able to know your worth will allow you to continue to move on because people could say, oh, but you should be happy. and I could believe it, and yeah. that would be sad. That would be the worst thing that I could do. Believe that I've reached my fullest potential.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's it. I agree. And again, we say this all the time, but we cannot underestimate the power of really talking to others and check in to confirm that what you're saying, Mary, is the right thing to pursue. Right? Because it's so easy to undermine sometimes. Those who we look up to, they might say like three things, a three-word sentence that can really put you down immediately and make you self-doubt. So rechecking and really going back to your own network. And that's why having this network is so important to say, hey, this is still okay, right? There's opportunity for me, right? Because there might be a choice, right, at that point. If they see you that you don't have that potential within your organization to say, hey, Okay, maybe not here, but maybe somewhere else, right? Or or doing something else completely different.
0: And it's amazing, like when just talking to people, I mean, none of us work directly with each other, but I feel empowered. If I had to go ask for a raise, just after this little conversation, I feel like I could say, well, I want more. (laughs) Maybe not in those, I'll script it first, right? (laughs) (laughs) But it is, it's like this, idea of when you when you have a community around you and like Lindo you were saying you don't know, have that tight knit circle and Rosa you were talking about stakeholders when you have those people and when you can have 10-15 minute conversations it's they're great reminders for all of us when you're feeling down or when you're not feeling down to Remember, like, I'm not doing this alone. I have this power of people who are supporting me and cheering me along behind the scenes. And that having that to go forward into that room one-on-one with whoever you need to speak to is empowering.
1: I think also as sponsors, we, as we learn, right, we also have the responsibility Mm -hmm. to call those things out when we are in that position, of power. Hey, I think we're not paying her worth, right? <laughs> or I think we're making this different decision. And we shouldn't. Because the more of us that can speak up for others, hopefully they won't have to go through the things that that we went through.
3: Let me just add something to what you just said, Mirari, because I recently had an experience in which the idea of a sponsorship was new to this person. And I was so puzzled by it because in fact, this person is is a huge sponsor of a lot lot of people, but she herself didn't recognize that she was advocating for all these people. Now, the people that she was not advocating for (laughs) were probably the people that needed more advocacy, right? Which was very insightful for me which is sometimes how we perpetuate, again, some unconscious bias in the way that we look at, you know, at talent, at fellow employees and human beings at the end of the day. So I do believe that we have a responsibility sometimes of calling things out and say, why don't you expand your sponsorship breadth? To include folks who may not be or look like you, especially as it pertains to women, uh, women of color and multicultural women. That was a huge realization. And even for this person, uh, first off, <laughs> it's like, whoa, this is a new concept. And it's like, no, actually, it's not. It's not a new concept.
2: <laughs> I think it's so funny that sponsorship <laughs> seems like a new concept to people who've been doing this. For so long, right, as just the way of doing business, the Boys Club has existed for a long time and it is perfected in terms of sponsorship. But when they apply it outside of that, it somehow feels very new. And it's really just, it's what you've always done. It's just that you're including, yes, you're including different people.
1: You're being inclusive. How about that? Yes. Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, so it's a good reminder for everybody and for those who might be new to the (laughs) concept (laughs) that do a little bit of a self-assessment, right? In terms of who am I advocating for? Let's make a commitment to find a way to feel okay sometimes maybe calling some of these things out if we're in a position to be able to do that. Because there's plenty of opportunity out there to pull folks through.
0: Yeah, and I would really encourage our listeners to... Think about who's in their circle and who has their back. And if it's time to refresh your circle or your sponsors, then think about who you might want to reach out to. You know that you have four women here that are rooting for you to say that you do deserve more and you should ask for more. And people do have time for you. And if they don't find someone else, keep going. That's been my message lately. Keep going because it's crucial if you're looking for strategies to advance in your career. The people around you are critical. Want to know how breaking the rules can help you level up your career game? Search What Rules Podcast on any social media platform and join our members-only group on LinkedIn, where we discuss rule-breaking strategies for multicultural women. What Rules is a production of Color Forward. The show is produced by me, Elisa Monjadas, with editing and fabulous sound design by Mathar Delion. Visit colorforward.com for more stories, events, and of course, all the episodes of What Rules.